Onasu. So this morning we turn to the third of the four greats, Mahamudita, or great empathetic joy. You'll note that in the Theravada approach, it's really it, 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 the empathetic joy truly is an emotion. It's taking delight. It's a sense of satisfaction, appreciation of joy, rejoicing. Whereas now as we move into the Mahayana mode, this great mudita, uh, it, like the other three, is an aspiration. An aspiration. The format is the same. We're already familiar with it, with the great, loving, great compassion, great loving kindness. But now the phrasing is, I'll give the whole thing in Tibetan, and so the first line, four lines as usual. The first line is, why couldn't? And again, not meant as a rhetorical question, but really a real question to investigate. Why couldn't all sentient beings, or we all, why couldn't all sentient beings never be parted from happiness free of suffering, devoid of suffering. Why couldn't? Well, I've been teaching for a long time, and a lot of people come up with interesting questions, uh, and that is the very notion of being free of suffering and experiencing only happiness. Uh, I remember years ago, somebody, and it's happened multiple times since then, somebody saying, well, you know, this is kind of a logical impossibility. It's like, may, like saying, may there only be left with no right. May there only be up and no down. Uh, only dark, only light, but no darkness. So, you know, the bu- whole Buddhist ideal doesn't really make much sense that you could have only one and not the other because, you know, what, what does suffering, what does happiness even mean uh, without suffering? If one approaches this practice in a superficial way, namely thinking only, uh, only of hedonic well-being, then it really is silly and it makes no sense and it's probably impossible. And that is, may we all only encounter good fortune every day, happy day, never anything bad happening. In other words, may we all be born in a deva realm and they stay, stay there for eternity. You know, because deva realm is pretty much just all nice, right? But then, you'll, you know, many of you have a good solid background in Buddhism and you know that being born in a deva realm, while very pleasant while you're there, in the big picture is actually not very advantageous because you have no inspiration from the inside, from that domain of experience, or that realm of existence, you really have no inspiration, no motivation, no reason to really want to apply yourself to, to achieve liberation. Some sorrows swell, you know. If that's all there were to it, just hanging out in a deva realm would just be awfully nice, you know. But because it's awfully nice and homogeneously nice until you come right towards the end of it, let's say in a, a deva realm of the desire realm, uh, then, again, there's no, there's, no, there's no inspiration for practicing dharma, no renunciation, no renunciation, there's no great compassion, no great compassion, there's no bodhicitta, no bodhicitta, there's no progress on, on, on the path. So many of you are very familiar with this. But clearly this is not a foolish aspiration. And so I think it's quite obvious, I think all of you have already guessed it, if you didn't already know it, when speaking of happiness devoid of suffering, of course it's not referring to hedonic pleasure, it's referring to genuine happiness, eudaimonia. The deepest level would be the, the joy that arises from wisdom itself, from knowing reality as it is. So if we consider a, an analogy, and that is, 
wouldn't it be wonderful if all types of sickness could be banished? Just sickness altogether. That, that we could just be healthy all the time. And would there be something wrong with that? That is, physical illness. Is that really part of a rich life? To be physically ill? Mentally or physically? Or would you really be very happy to just have one healthy day after another and with that platform deal with, ever, deal with whatever life presents to you? My sense is, thumbs up on good health. I just don't see any intrinsic benefit in being ill, mentally or physically. And so there's no, there's nothing, there's no logical inconsistency there any more than now that you know, certain types of diseases like smallpox have been wiped out. Polio, I think, pretty much. And a number of other diseases, you know, really very much under control, thanks to the wonderful research applications of modern, modern biomedicine. And so if we consider in that regard that, sure, good health makes sense only if, if relative to illness, but illness could be something only of the past. Just like smallpox, I think it's now just existing in a, in a few vials here and there, in, under, in, under intense guard, I hope. Uh, because I think there's no, my understanding is there's no smallpox on, on the planet. Nobody's suffering from smallpox. They're keeping the, the virus alive just for research purposes. Uh, so does that somehow impoverish or diminish human existence? Because, gosh, we don't have that to deal with anymore. And I don't think so. I think it's just fine, right? And likewise, HIV. Imagine HIV simply vanished. There was just no more of that. So when we consider or we aspire, may we all never be parted from happiness, genuine happiness, devoid of suffering. How might that come about? How might that come about? Genuine happiness, eudaimonia. And then, I won't fill in the blanks for that. I leave you that too for the meditation. And then, why couldn't come up with an answer? May it be so. Clearly, the Buddhist tradition says it is possible and it's moreover a worthy, a noble aspiration. But then... To Oh, daki jao, then I shall do it. I shall do it. Okay, good luck with that. And that is if you've not found, not even tasted, don't even have a hint of such well-being yourself, a sense of well-being that is free not only from blatant suffering, we all experience that, you know. Sometimes we just feel good, right? But also free from the suffering of change, and that can happen only by freedom from attachment, but also the suffering the existential suffering, the deepest suffering, coming from revocation, from delusion. So clearly, never being parted from happiness free of suffering would be all three levels. So how could we take on the resolve? How could we commit ourselves to freeing or to enabling all sentient beings never to be parted from such a quality of well-being, free of all three dimensions of suffering, unless at the very least we have a taste of such well-being ourselves. And so then we, then we have a strategy. We have a plan. We know what to do, right? But if you don't even have a taste, then it's kind of an empty resolve, right? So I think then if we can bring as much wisdom into this aspiration as possible to envision it and then call on the blessings of all the enlightened ones to enable us to follow that path so that we can lead others to the path of their own happiness, devoid of suffering. And bear in mind, if one person like a Buddha, like Buddha Shakyamuni, achieves perfect bliss, immutable bliss, it still means something, because sentient beings are still in suffering. 
that is within the continuum of Buddha. He doesn't have to, he or she doesn't have to continue on going back and forth. Oh yeah, happiness is there because I, I have really bad days. The bliss of a Buddha, the immutable bliss of Dharmakaya is there and it still means something because there's still suffering in samsara. Okay, good. Find a comfortable position, please. Happily let your awareness descend into the body, filling the space, settling body, speech, and mind in the natural state. Let your awareness illuminate the space of the body and all the appearances that arise within that space as well as the space of the mind. And whatever appearances arise therein, According to your ability, recognize that though we may fashion, using our power of concepts, a human body imputed upon these appearances, and a human mind imputed upon these appearances, 
although the conceptual mind, the conceptual mind may fashion a body and mind based upon these appearances. These appearances are empty of body and they are also empty of mind. They are nowhere to be found anywhere among these empty appearances arising in space. Symbolically imagining your own pristine pristine awareness as a radiant orb of light at your heart. Let your imagination play and imagine dissolving or withdrawing all the appearances of your body and your mind. into this pearl of light at your heart. Empty and luminous. And like projecting a holographic image, imagine your form emanating out of this orb of light at your heart, your human form, your familiar form, but imagine it purely of light, radiant, white light, empty, luminous, transparent, but in your own form. but of the nature of Avalokiteshvara, the embodiment, the personification of the compassion of all the Buddhas. Moving deeply into this realm of possibility, an aspect of reality. Arouse then the question, why couldn't all sentient beings never be parted from happiness devoid of suffering? And consider deeply what would be needed to bring that about. From what would they all need to be freed.
in order never to be parted from genuine happiness. you see the possibility that there is actually a strategy, a means for bringing about such lasting well-being, then arouse the aspiration. May we all never be parted from such happiness, utterly free of suffering. And from the depths of your awareness, from pristine awareness itself, arouse, if you will, the resolve, the commitment, the intention. I shall make it so. I shall see that they're never parted from such well-being devoid of suffering. 
Then, if you will, call upon the blessing of the Guru and all the awakened ones to enable you to carry through with this resolve. With each in-breath, imagine light, the light of blessing converging in from all sides, in upon your body, filling the body, converging in upon the heart. With each out-breath, imagine this light of blessing flowing in all directions. Realizing this aspiration and resolve. And breath by breath, individual by individual, imagine each sentient being, all sentient beings, realizing such well-being, free of suffering.
then release all appearances and aspirations and let your awareness rest in its own nature, still and luminous. Let's try to make as much continuity as we can uh, between the formal sessions, wherever the supine, sitting, however you may do that, and the sessions, in between sessions, so that when you're coming out, you don't feel you're really coming out of meditation, you're just going into another mode of meditation, and when you're coming into meditation, you don't feel kind of an abrupt discontinuity, like, oh, now I have to stop ruminating. You know? Try to make it as smooth as you can. And you might recall now also the closing line from Atisha's seven-point mind training, written down by Chekhova, but I always trace it back to Atisha. The seven-point mind training is closing line in his section on wisdom, on insight. And he says, between sessions, tunsam gyume jia, in between sessions, act as an illusory being. Gyume kibur, as an illusory being. Act as if you yourself, your physical presence here, even your mental presence here, we're just kind of an array, like a holographic image moving through the mind center and going for walks, swimming, whatever you're doing. But as if you're here in the sense of, like in a lucid dream, you are present someplace, but not really. Not substantially. More as if you were a bardo being, you know, hanging out, but not very tangible. Right? So as much as you can, see if you can pull the plug Withdraw the reification of body and mind in between sessions. Much a lighter mode of being. Okay? Enjoy your day.